Happy Easter, everyone. There is resurrection power to raise Christ from the dead. Amen? He is risen. He is risen indeed. That same power works in our lives. I want to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, we're continuing a series that we've called The Road to Easter. Last Sunday, we looked at the road to Jerusalem as Jesus rode in triumphantly. Thursday night, we looked at the path into the Garden of Gethsemane. On Good Friday, we looked at the path called the Way of Suffering, the Via Dolorosa. And today, we want to talk about another road, a road of two disciples that met with Jesus in an incredible way. Luke 24, beginning in verse 13. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you or don't have access to one, I'm going to read this in a moment, and I'll do so for context so that you get to experience this incredible story. I, I want to just say something to you. This morning, I don't believe that we could find a more fitting passage for where we are. Here in the story, it's Resurrection Day. It's on that day. It's later that afternoon that the story picks up. The, the women have gone to the tomb. They've discovered the stone was rolled away. The angels met them and said, He is not here. He is risen. And now on that Resurrection Day, we see our story pick up. But the reason that I think that this is a significant story for us is because of the, the tone and the tenor of the story and the tone of our society. I, I don't know about you, but the culture around us right now is downright depressing. Would you agree with that? I, I don't want to be a downer this morning, and I, I can't tell you how life-giving it is to see you. Last year at this time, I was preaching to an empty room. Jesse got so tired of me pulling him into here and making him sit on the front row and me preaching just to him. I, our staff had to listen to me preach. I was thankful that he would be in my corner giving me amens in, in an empty room otherwise. There seems to be more anxiety, confusion, more hopelessness than maybe ever before in my entire lifetime over the past year. But in light of all of that, church family, I want you to hear this. I, I truly believe this. I believe that I have a word from the Father for you today. I believe that God is going to take Luke 24 and speak to us. In light of all of that, I want us to look together. Luke 24, beginning in verse 13. It starts out by saying, that same day. What day? The day that Jesus was raised from the dead. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But look at verse 16. But God kept them from recognizing him. More about that in a moment. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short. And church, look at this next line. Sadness written across their faces. And then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that happened these past few days. What things, Jesus asked. I mean, can you imagine not knowing? How could you not know? It would be like somebody walking into this place today and saying, what's this virus everybody's talking about? I mean, how, how could you not know? It is everywhere all around us. Jerusalem has been buzzing. 
They said, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. Verse 20, but our leading priest and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. Look at these next three words. We had hoped. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some of the women from our group of his followers were at the tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and that they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to sea, and sure enough, the body was gone, just as the women had said. Now today, whether you are a Christ follower or not, whether you have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ or not, whether you're at home watching us or someplace remotely or here in the room, I truly believe God has a word for where you are from this text of Scripture. And I believe today, with all of my heart, if you will listen, If you will give your attention for just the next few moments, I believe God will change your eternity. I believe God is going to set somebody free today. I I believe that truly for those that are believers, there are some, he'll change your outlook and he'll begin to change your despair into hope yet again. Folks, this is such an important day. I mean, as we consider the the claims of Christ to be raised from the dead and the impact and the significance of what that means to us and for us here today, this is an important day, and I, I mean this. I'm so thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that you've chosen to worship on this Resurrection Sunday. I want us to pray, and I want to pray for you. And listen, if you're a believer today, would you join me, and would you pray specifically that God would take this and that his word would find the heart today that needs it the most? Let's pray. Father, would you speak to our hearts today? Lord, would you use me? A broken human vessel. God, I know my lot. I am a messed up sinner who was radically changed by the glorious grace of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, would you do that which you alone can do? And Father, we do ask that you would let your word find the heart of the one that needs it the most. In Jesus' name, amen. If there's a more honest text in the Bible, I don't know that I can find it. Obviously, all of the Bible is honest. All of it is true. But there's a beauty to the transparency here. The Bible doesn't cover up the warts. The the Bible doesn't uh, gloss over the mistakes and the faults and the messiness. It doesn't tell us today that every disciple that ever followed Jesus is all perfect and got it all together. I mean, the Bible is very, very honest in this. The Bible tells us it does not deny that there are murderers and extortioners and thieves and adulterers and robbers and those are just the saved people in the Bible. I mean, the Bible is pretty clear that there are some messed up characters in the Word of God. And I'm grateful for that honesty because that honesty gives to me some hope because I don't have it all together. And if you do have it all together this morning, maybe you need to be up here preaching to the rest of us.
But I think that all of us would, would find ourselves in desperate need. And these disciples were the same. They were struggling. They were, they were finding themselves reeling from an emotional roller coaster of the highest high to the absolute pit of the lowest valley. And if you think about it, there's probably not a more fitting passage for where we are right now, not just on Easter Sunday, but in the midst of uh, still a pandemic, in the midst of political turmoil, in the midst of culture wars and all the difficulty that we are facing, that we're raising kids and grandkids in the middle of. I can't think of a more fitting place to go than down the road to Emmaus. And what I'm asking you to do for just the next few moments is to walk there with me. I, I hope that you, you sense the dust kicking up from our sandals. I hope that you walk there and recognize that Jesus is going to walk into the midst of that day. I, I want us to be students of the Word and just to slowly peruse for a few minutes this passage of Scripture. Now, again, think about their, their perspective as they walked. Disillusioned? Yes. Perplexed and confused? Absolutely. More than all of that, hurting. I already read to you, verse 17 says that there was a sadness on their faces. And we went a little farther in verse 21. It said, we had hoped. I mean, they had hung all of their hopes on Jesus being the Messiah. And now they don't know what to hang their hopes on because he's dead. Well, maybe because now there's report that he's alive. What, what are we to do? What are we to believe? Think about the roller coaster. Seven days earlier, they had been on a parade, if you will. They had been on a journey coming into the city for Passover. And coming into the city for Passover, they were joined by throngs of people from all around. And as they came to the city, a parade emerged because a triumphal entry happened. People were waving palm branches and others began to see and a mob sort of gathered and all of a sudden they recognized something was happening. Jesus came riding into the city on a donkey and they began to say, could this be? You see, Zechariah had said that the Messiah would come into the city riding on a donkey. Kings don't ride donkeys but this may be it. And they saw that with intrigue and their hearts probably beat faster. And then three days prior to this day, everything seemed to change. You see, there was, there was a mob that led to an unjust arrest and a mockery of a trial. There was a, an arrest of Jesus, of Nazareth. And as we begin to think about that idea of where they were, they, they, they were struggling. They were hurting. In fact, I want to call it this, and I want you to write this down. They were under a weight. They were under the weight of a broken spirit. The weight of a broken spirit. I'm not talking about being a little bit blue. I'm not talking about just a, a little melancholy. I'm talking about being crushed. I'm talking about being under a weight that was so intense that their whole world was spinning. Anybody here ever felt the weight of a broken spirit? I figured that was the case. Maybe you can identify. I mean, this was down to their souls, but can you blame them? I mean, again, this three days before, they showed up to offer their Passover sacrifices and this illegal arrest of Jesus happens. Who was it? They said, when the stranger asked them, what are you talking about? They said, we're talking about all the stuff that happened to Jesus. And he didn't have to ask or insert anything else. They just went on and said, you know, Jesus of Nazareth. The, the guy that showed up at funerals and ended them because the dead got up and walked. 
The guy that brought sight to blind eyes. The guy that walked on the water. The guy that taught with power from heaven. He was an incredible teacher. He was an amazing rabbi. And we had hung our hopes that he was the Messiah. That guy. And he was crucified just three days ago. We stood and we watched him suspended between heaven and earth. They experienced the hope of their hearts being snuffed out in a moment. The sun at midday refused to shine three days before. The earth violently convulsed and shook and quaked. The veil in the Holy of Holies in the temple was torn from top to bottom. Everything that we know that is certain or everything that we've hung our hopes on has all been shattered. I mean, dead people came out of their graves on Friday. We've never seen anything like it. And now we're hearing that there's a possibility that he is alive. What what are we to believe? They are under a crushing weight of a broken spirit. Now, I want to pull over to the side of the road for just a moment, if we can, and think about this. The Bible says there in verse 13, on that same day, two of his followers walked together. So here's what happened. They they wait for the Passover they, they, or for the Sabbath and they decide we're going home. And so on Sunday, the first day of the week, they're going to go back seven miles back to this village. It's a little north and east of Jerusalem and they're going to walk back. But the Bible says that the two of them made their way back to Emmaus together. As they walked, the two of them walked together. Folks, can I say this to you? The Bible puts a premium on two. The Bible puts a premium on two, and here's how I know that. Early on in Scripture, it says, it is not good for man to be, help me out, alone. There's something about being with someone else. The Bible puts a premium. And I I just want to tell you this. I've had remarkable concern over all of the isolation of the past year. Have you? I mean, I really have in my prayer time, I've just been burdened about widows and widowers who don't have somebody necessarily walking along. For those that are single or those that are single again who have not had somebody walking alongside them. And maybe you find yourself there and the weight of a broken spirit is about your life. And I think even more of those that don't have a forever faith family. I know that many of you were faithful to go online and to watch with us and many are still watching. But there are some people that have been done with church for a long time they got burned at some point in the past and they walked away and they're going at it alone and I just think it's interesting the Bible puts a premium on two the weight of a broken spirit is is encouraged in the presence of others we'll talk about that for a moment but my heart truly aches for those that said I'm done with church and maybe you did so today even you've just stumbled across uh, our website or you've stumbled into this room with a family member who coaxed you and invited you and maybe you're here today and, and you're not sure about all these claims but you know that your heart is broken you know that you are struggling and you're saying something in my life has got to give Maybe you just came today out of habit, but possibly you came because God brought you here. God has gotten you to the place of tuning in with us so that you could hear this word. These disciples were bearing the weight of an absolutely broken spirit. And I would say it this way, something in our society has got to give. I'm watching people struggle. They have lost jobs and faced financial 
just downturned and schools have gone through all that they've gone through and, and I'm just here to tell you that life today seems to be driving people crazy maybe you're holding it together but I know people that we're, we're buying and selling and we run to the mountains and we run to the beach and we come back still empty and so we go out and we buy stuff and then we buy more stuff and then we go rent space to put the stuff so we can buy more stuff and all of the stuff means nothing doesn't bring any satisfaction we live in a society where we're driving cars that cost more than our grandparents houses and for what we've got an abundance of stuff but no peace am I speaking into anybody's heart today the weight of a broken spirit People in our day are self-medicating and they're looking for relief at the bottom of a bottle or at the summit of a high or in retail therapy of something. And they, they're longing and searching and empty. We're seeing the gravity of the weight of a broken spirit. God's word speaks to it clearly. Let me give you a couple of passages. Proverbs 18, 14. It says this, the human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear a crushed spirit I, I think that's fascinating if you think about it our society is already saying this there's public service announcements say we're going to get through this pandemic together we can do it the bible said a long time ago we can get through physical sickness but who can bear a crushed spirit and, and the human spirit is yes we can we can get through this well the reality here is if you can resonate with this if you've got a broken spirit you can resonate with these disciples because that's exactly Exactly where they were would you be honest enough to say this morning I just don't know how we got here I mean 13 14 months ago we're setting Wall Street records and the economy's booming and life is good and all of a sudden life came to a screeching halt you walk around in store after store and there's not any smiles because you can't see them and there's only empty eyes and there's this sense of disconnection from people and we struggle with weight. I just think, and I don't want to belabor this for too long, but I think of all that was lost last year. All of the restaurants that have gone over, un, under, and the shopping and the travel. And I, I'll tell you this, my heart has gone out over and over again to the seniors who worked all of their lives to reach the pinnacle of walking across the stage and moving a tassel, and it evaporated. It was just gone. I mean, it's just nothing. Or, or teachers that passionately care about what they're doing. And maybe, just maybe, you got that one student and you were saying, I've worked so hard to pour into him and I didn't let the test grades define who he is and how much I loved him. And you'd work with him and people said, he'll never make anything. And I'm, I'm here. And all of a sudden you go away for spring break and you never come back. And it's over. As we think about the separation and the anxiety and, and the frustration of that, there's a broken spirit in America and there's a wishful hope that things would get back to something better. The Bible says it this way, that hope deferred makes a heart sick. I really believe that I'm preaching today to some heart sick people. I believe that there are some people here that, that are struggling and these believers are there. Now, you, you say, I, I can't believe that that they would be talking like this. We would be. I mean, these two disciples opened their hearts. They'd seen the works of Jesus. They had heard the wonders of his teaching. And they said, surely this is the Messiah. And all of a sudden they said, now it's all over. 
in a day. Gone. What are we to do? Now, back to our text. In verse 18, one of the disciples is mentioned by name. His name is Cleopas. I think this is interesting. I have studied this passage and heard this passage all of my life, and I never had contemplated this, but somebody brought it to my attention. Who was the other disciple? Many theologians believe it was Luke, none other than Luke himself who's writing the book, and he was being modest. But there are things that are said. I think Luke would have known a little more. But but somebody mentioned this to me, and I'd never seen it. In John chapter 19, verse 25, there was a woman at the cross whose husband's name is Cleopas. Maybe, just maybe, this is Cleopas and his wife going home. I'm not going to argue over it. There's no reason for us to get dogmatic about it, but I think it's fascinating. If you looked at John 19, 25, Mary is there and John is there, and Jesus speaks to Mary and John, and he gives John care of Mary. Mary Magdalene is there and Cleopas' wife. I almost envision it this way. I see them, all of their hopes, all of their dreams. They've heard his teaching. They've seen his power. And they stand looking up at the cross, blood running down, all of their dreams going away. And he looks at his mother and he says to John, care for her. And I just see Cleopas and his wife turning around and saying, come on, honey, it's all over. We're going home. We're going back to Emmaus. We'll wait till Sunday. We'll wait till the Sabbath is over, but we're going home. I want you to hear me this morning. Let me just make some application. There are some people that have gotten comfortable this past year sort of being anonymous. And I'm so thankful that you're here. You would say, Pastor, you're preaching to the wrong crowd. I got here as quick as I could get back. But I want you to see this. The, the truth be told, somebody here needs to listen to me. You cannot go it alone. You can't go it alone. Folks, let's take just a second. And if you wouldn't mind, just pray with me. And... Uh, We'll let them attend to her, and and let's just ask God's blessing. God, I thank you for this time because you have brought us here. And God, you're in complete control of all things. God, would you move in our midst right now in a very special way? Father, would you just uh, give all wisdom that is needed to attend to this circumstance as only you can? And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4 tells us more about God putting a premium on being together. It says this, two are better than one. And it says that a three-cord strand is not easily broken. It says if one falls, another will be there to help. It says very pointedly in a critical way for us to see today that God's desires that would walk together. And when the weight of a broken spirit comes, there's something powerful about walking together. Let me say it this way. There will come an Emmaus day in your life. Would you agree with that? Anybody ever experienced one? Everything that you were longing for and looking toward all of a sudden was consumed? I know that your attention's consumed. And I want you to stay with me for a moment. There's a, a living illustration of help all around. 
I believe with all of my heart God has a message. I said that 10 minutes ago. That hasn't changed. There's going to come a day that there is an Emmaus moment for you where you're struggling, where you feel like everybody in the world's forsaken you, maybe even God, and all of the things that you prayed for, all of the things you had desired, there's something about the fellowship of the saints. And for this past year, as Satan has tried to tear us apart, oh, that we would get together. I want to encourage you. There is something about broken, wounded people coming together, finding comfort and encouragement. Can I implore you to make a commitment from this day forward to be in fellowship with other believers, to walk with other believers, whether it's in Sunday school or in worship together. I want you to see that from this text, they walk together. And so many people are walking in isolation. Would you come along somebody else, some, come alongside someone else and begin to move with them? You need this in your life. Now, I want you to see one more quick thing from the text. Still verse 13 and 14. It says they walked together and they talked together. This is significant. They're talking amongst themselves. The word here for talk is the word homileo. It simply means to, to do an honest assessment. They walked and talked together. They weren't being politically correct. They were speaking truth from their hurt. Sometimes that's exactly what we need. In fact, there's a powerful remedy for people that are under the weight of a broken spirit. You know what it is? Speaking the truth in love. In our culture, I know a lot of people that want to speak truth and they have no love. And they do it on social media, hiding behind keyboards every day. And speaking truth without love is not biblical. But speaking love with no truth, also not biblical. You can just pat people on the back and affirm them all the way to hell. The Bible says that we are to speak truth in love. We are to speak loving truth. We need both. If we are going to minister to one another and to other people under the weight of brokenness, then you have to be able to speak truth in love. The Bible mandates it. They talk together. They talked about their heartaches and their disappointments and their frustration. I love that. We don't have all of it. We just know that their faces were sad and they had hoped. And now they're struggling. Listen, one of the things that we as a church family need to hear desperately, and if you're not a part of our church family, I want you to lean in close and hopefully you'll see this observable in our body. One of the things that is important here is that they were real. You see, one of the reasons that churches have lost their appeal is because they're plastic and they're fake and they, they pretend to be something they're, they're not. I would pray that you would not find that to be the case at Hardy Street, that we're not trying to put on airs and be hypocritical. We're not trying to be something else. There's so much authenticity here, and I'm thankful for that. You can be yourself. Our Celebrate Recovery group and our, our Sunday school classes and so many other ministries give people the space and the opportunity to be known and loved still. We'll speak the truth to you. We'll love you right where you are. We'll love you so much that we won't leave you where you are. We'll challenge you to do different. One evangelist I read this very week said this. He said, churches have paid their preachers to lower their voice. Churches have bought into political correctness in order to pack crowds. Churches have watered down the gospel to tickle ears and spoon feed babies. And beloved, I want you to know, if we are going to have an impact in society and we're going to make a difference in Hattiesburg, we have to speak the truth in love and we have to lovingly speak truth. We can't back up. Amen. Amen. 
If we want to see the effective Word of God do what the Word of God is supposed to do, then the only way we will do that is for us. Hattiesburg needs it. The world needs it. For us to speak the truth in loving ways. We'll call sin, sin. Yes, we'll love sinners, but we will call them out of their sin. If you want to minister to somebody that is reeling from the weight of brokenness, the only way to do it is to speak loving truth into their lives. Let's go a little further. It's amazing to me, and we don't have time for all of this, but Proverbs says that iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens the countenance of another. You literally can change somebody's outlook. The Bible also says in Proverbs 27 that faithful are the wounds of a friend. So Cleopas and his wife, let's just say, if you'll go there with me, two followers, Cleopas and somebody else, that they were both broken spirited but they're talking it through and I can just hear them she's talking away he said that he was the Messiah how could this be could he really be alive they're back and forth and maybe he's shut down and he's kind of grunting along the way just so that she'll think that he's listening to her but they're going along put this together John said in John or Jesus said in John 15 5 I no longer call you servants but I call you friends Jesus has the right to step into your Emmaus day and to speak truth into your life and and even as a friend to, to maybe wound you with something that is truthful that will lead to a healing place. I want us to see this. If we are going to move past the weight of a broken spirit, our eyes need to be opened by truth. And that leads us to point number two. I want you to see the waking of a blinded mind. The waking of a blinded mind. Look at verse 16 with me. It says, as they talked and discussed these things, verse 15, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. Some of you would say, how in the world could Jesus do that? How can he step into their their misery and confusion and not immediately deal with their brokenness? What kind of uncaring Savior is this? If you're talking about the love of Christ, then how, how for the love of Christ can he keep the truth from them? Well, verse 16 says that God kept their eyes from recognizing. Listen, Jesus veiled his identity so that the two disciples would think through the things that he would say. They wouldn't just believe it at face value. You see, if the pandemic went away immediately tomorrow and everything went back to normal Normal may not be what God wanted. God shook some things up in our world for the last year, and I'm praying for the better that he would draw us back to himself, that we wouldn't see our hope is built on nothing less than what, who's in, in the White House. Our, our hope is not built in the White House, but in the church house through Christ. And for us, if we begin to see what has been shaken up, I think this is amazing. A broken spirit can lead to a blinded mind. They just began to figure things out on their own, but you need to see this, so can religion so can religion if you're listening this morning and you don't have the hope of eternal life you've never accepted the free gift of calvary you've never received the payment that jesus death afforded you then i want you to hear this a spirit of religion can blind you coming to church won't make you a christian and there are a lot of people that are banking on things that have no eternal value now why am i saying that Look at verse 17. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? 
They stopped short, sadness written on their faces, and they began to share the story of Christ. Let me say it this way. In our brokenheartedness, often we turn to anything and everything but God. We make up our own answers. We make up our own decisions. Let me say it this way. In our brokenness, we often turn to other things. In our arrogance, we often make things up. That's the religious side. Well, if things got back to normal and I could just worship the way I wanted to worship, everything would be fine. You see, if they had said, aha, Jesus is the Messiah. See, they didn't want necessarily what Jesus was giving them. Everybody look. It says that he began with Moses and he told them all that the prophets have spoken. All of the prophets. You see, they were listening to the prophets. They were reading the Bible, but they were looking at all of them. They were saying, we're going to get a Messiah who's going to get rid of Rome. We're going to get a Republican Messiah, a Democratic Messiah. We're gonna, no, 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 no. He said, you're going to get a suffering Messiah. They didn't read that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. I, hey, whoa, J- Jesus. I, I, I don't want to. See, I want to talk about Roman taxes. I don't want to talk about tithing. I, I don't want to talk about things that will take me to a place of suffering that will develop character in me. I just want Rome gone. Hello? I mean, think about it. We just want those things back. And if we're not careful, those seniors will say, I don't want a Savior that leads me through the valley of the shadow of death. I just want a Savior that will give me my graduation back. I want 2020 back. And those things have evaporated. They're gone. There are some of you that want the amber waves of grain to flow again. I want the economy back, and I want things to be different. And the bottom line is, as great as this nation is, this nation is for a moment and a season, and eternity is forever. And eternity is too long to be wrong. Oh, that we would focus on what we see here. Jesus showed him the plan from the beginning was that I will take the brokenhearted and I will bind up their bruises. I will heal their scars and I will forgive their sin. I love this story because these brokenhearted, honest disciples saw their eyes opened in an amazing way. Pastor, how could they be wrong? They're talking about the Bible. Sure, they're talking about the parts they liked. Preacher, I don't want a king that'll take me through trials and tribulations. I want one that'll just get things back to normal. He didn't open up their eyes because they'd already made up their minds. He showed them all that the prophets had spoken. You see, they wanted a king that would be the leader of the world, but not the Lord of their lives. And there are people here today that have a broken spirit. And there are people here today that are incredibly religious. You've crossed all of the theological T's and dotted all of the doctrinal I's. But but some of you say, I just need proof. If God would just show himself to me, I, I would believe in all this. Faith doesn't come from evidence. It comes from the word of God. You would not believe. If Jesus had just shown up and given them, here I am. They would have said, I told you so. But he took them to the truth to show them the truth. He took them to the word of God to show them the truth. Very, very significant for us to see. If evidence can do it, they've already had eyewitnesses. Mary Magdalene, Peter, others have said he is risen, his body is gone. Here they are on their way home just like good Baptists. I mean, they say, well, I didn't see it. 
So I'm not going to believe it until I do. I mean, it wasn't in the bylaws. We didn't vote on it. I don't know that he's risen or not. No, the bottom line is faith doesn't come by evidence. It comes by the word of God. And you cannot argue someone out of hell. It's not about apologetics, but you can share loving truth with them. And that's what Jesus did. Let me, let me just take you one more place and our time is almost gone. When Jesus took them from Moses to the prophets, he said that he showed them all the things concerning who? Himself. (laughs) I I just wanted to shout. I I don't know about you. There are times that I say, I wish I could go back, Brother Wes, and be in the Bible in some place. I would have loved to attended the Emmaus Road Bible Conference. Because Jesus said, hey, you remember that ram caught in the thicket in Genesis 22 that was me you you remember the story about Noah building an ark an ark of safety and people would run to it and they would be saved and God closed the door and he sheltered them guess what that was me Hey, you remember that suffering servant in Isaiah chapter 6 or Isaiah 53, 6 that suffered for you? That's me. And over and over again, Jesus said those places, that all points to me. And I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. The ram in the bush, the promised seed in Genesis 3, the ark, the three boys in the fiery furnace. You remember them? And there were four in there. That was me. How about the captain of the armies of heaven showing up in front of Joshua? Me. The flood, the ark, the Passover, the Red Sea, the wilderness and the promised land, exile and return. The Old Testament is gloriously Jesus-shaped. The I am in Abraham's rejoicing. The Lord who motivates Moses was Christ. Hebrews 11 says that. The Redeemer who brought them out of Egypt was Jesus. It says that in Jude 5. The rock in the wilderness was Christ. 1 Corinthians 10. The king of Isaiah's temple vision was the very son seated on the throne in John 12. Blinded minds cannot be enlightened by apologetic evidence only by the truth of God's word. He lifts the weight of their brokenness by waking their blinded minds. So we're talking about a broken spirit, blinded minds, but thirdly, a burning heart, and our time is done. They come to the end of their day. They come to the very end of their journey. They make it all the way home, and they say, why don't you come and eat with us? He has fascinated them. They still don't know exactly who he is, and he stays with them. Think about this. Jesus is only going to spend 40 days on the earth after his resurrection and he spent one whole day with these two I I found that intriguing and he goes and he breaks bread and they recognize they said were not our hearts burning within us and he's gone he goes on and it says within the hour they were on their way back to Jerusalem Seven miles, they just take off running again. And they say, we've got to confirm it. Everything that they said, it's true. He's alive. We saw him, not just physically in person, but we saw it in his word. It's all throughout. God has a plan and a purpose here today. And that plan and that purpose comes through one more verse that I want you to think through. They came to the end of the day, and it says the day was well spent. It says that the day was almost over. Our translation here says that it was getting late. The evening was coming. It was was moving on. Folks, can I tell you that the hour is getting late? 
in the world. It's getting gloriously dark. Jesus is going to come back. And we need to be like them with a burning heart ready to go and tell. Hattiesburg desperately needs a biblical witness from Hardy Street Baptist Church. The Pine Belt needs a biblical witness. The nations need a biblical witness. The next generation, I'm so thrilled about our trail life troop that we've started. Young men that we're shaping and training into becoming Christ-like godly men. We're going to work toward our American Heritage girls and do the same thing. Well, we raise up godly women of truth And my heart's desire is that our church would never be satisfied with our own religious answers. It's not wrong for you to question what God is doing. It's wrong for you to come up with your own answers and give them to God before you give him a chance to hear. For you and for me, we need to be living on mission. You may have walked in this place with a broken spirit. Maybe you still got it. It didn't change the circumstances. They're still there. But he can illuminate your heart with truth and unveil your blinded eyes. And when he does, I don't know about you, I got saved 33 years ago and I've never been the same since. Every Easter gets sweeter and sweeter and sweeter because I say, he's alive. He's still alive. He will forever be alive. If you've never trusted him and you're walking in brokenness, can I just ask you to come to Jesus today? Would you place your faith in him? His death on Calvary was not just for you, it was instead of you. We cannot see the cross as something that was done for us until we see that the cross was was something done by us. We were the reason he went. He died in your place so that you would not have to face eternal death, separation from God. You can have eternal life. You can be forgiven. Some of you, that, that word just rings out in your heart. Oh, to be forgiven. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. Jesus does, and he died for you, even though. I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to respond on this Resurrection Sunday. Whether you're at home or here in the room, I'm going to ask you to trust Jesus Christ today. Our musicians are going to come. We're going to sing through one simple song of decision. And as they do, I'm going to ask you to get up from where you are. The people around you would let you out. We have encouragers that meet right down here at the front. And we have an encouragers room right out these doors. And they just want to pray with you. You can get to a quiet place. They're not going to do anything weird or creepy. They just want to love you and encourage you that's all they do and they would love to take God's word and share with you how you can be saved so when we begin singing right after I pray you get up from where you are and I want you to come and find one of them come to me and I'll introduce you to one of them and they will pray with you today whatever the need of your life is maybe it's to join this church maybe it's to unite with this fellowship and say I want to be a part of that kind of missional body that speaks the truth in love and lovingly speaks truth Whatever the need is of your life, let God have his way in these moments. Let's stand together as I'm praying, and then we'll sing and you respond. Father, do your work this morning. There are broken hearts, and there are blinded minds. Would you remove the scales and lift the weight and place a burning in the hearts of your people to love you and to live for you? Because the day is drawing short. In Jesus' name, amen.